This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Hello, podcast listeners. Well, I'm excited today to bring back a former guest on the show while inviting a new guest to join her. Allison Freihoff, Managing Director of Nonprofit and Nonprofit Health at AWS, was my guest this past January. If you haven't checked out that episode, I encourage you to do so. It was very interesting. In fact, I mentioned then that for most of you, when you hear the word Amazon, you typically think of Amazon Prime or Prime Video specifically or getting great deals with same-day shipping, right? However, AWS specifically is doing much more than that. AWS provides a whole host of technology tools to help your nonprofit go further, faster. And the guest who will be joining Allison is Sarah Wilbur. Sarah is the Vice President of Capital Campaign and Strategic Planning for the John F. Kennedy Center for Performing Arts. Now, first of all, the Kennedy Center was a winner of the 2022 AWS Imagine Grant Awards. Additionally, the Kennedy Center has reached out to AWS for help in a variety of ways, including getting help to better understand their financial capability in a more dynamic way by implementing reusable predictive modeling in their database. They also were able to leverage a data warehouse to develop a multifaceted view of their constituent data. Now, one additional note that's kind of fun for today's episode is that Sarah and Allison joined me on the show while taking a quick break from the AWS Summit in Washington, D.C. I think you're going to really enjoy today's show. Well, hey, it's so great to have you, Allison and Sarah here joining me on the show, especially while you're in the midst of Amazon's AWS Summit Washington. So thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to talk about this. And I was really hoping to be there in person. Unfortunately, I couldn't be, but this is the next best thing to have you through Zoom. So thank you again for spending time to be on the show today. Of course. Glad to be with you. Absolutely. Well, this one's going to be interesting because we've had Allison on the show. My listeners will remember Allison. She just did a great job of explaining all that Amazon provides with their different services to nonprofits. And specifically though, today, I want to focus on Sarah and what you do there at the Kennedy Center. And so I'm going to ask several questions about how AWS has really been helpful to you specifically in your role there. Maybe what we start out with is talk a little bit about some of the unique things the Kennedy Center is doing. First, I've learned that the Kennedy Center is leveraging a data warehouse to develop a multifaceted view of their constituent data. Your goal is to help your organization really to expand and to personalize its donor outreach. Now, I think that's the goal for every nonprofit, but particularly one your size. So talk a little bit more about what your goal is here, Sarah. Absolutely. This is really important to us because the Kennedy Center is the National Cultural Center of the United States. We're a busy performing arts center and the living memorial to President Kennedy. And that means that our programming and our patron base needs to be as diverse and rich and unique as the fabric of our country. And that's a really tall order when our physical premise is here in Washington, D.C., but our programming takes place in every state and territory and sometimes internationally as well. So we 
first of all, needed to leverage a true and best-in-class data warehouse because of the volume of data that we have and the volume of data that we're trying to collect. Our current database right now is over 5 million records. It's growing every day, not only because of the breadth of our programming, but because our database only until recently was also taking stock of all of the free programming that we do and the constituents who come through our doors or who work with us digitally that never actually have a performance ticket. So we have, we're sitting on a treasure trove of millions and millions of records and millions and millions of data points. Being able to then make sense of that not only from a strategic and a business perspective, but again, a mission and vision and values perspective to take stock of what is the programming we're crafting How are we delivering it across the country, whether that's in person or virtually? How are we hearing from our constituents? And again, celebrating that cultural heritage by by which our society will be remembered. We definitely know that data needs to play a big part of that, but it can't happen if we're working in Excel spreadsheets. (laughs) A best-in-class data warehouse is key. And that was really our first interaction with AWS was helping us take our data warehouse from static servers on site, which by the way is... Our onsite is right next to the Potomac River that floods and is on the Marine One pathway. We needed to take that to the cloud and do it in a really dynamic way. And moving to Redshift has been transformative for us in so many ways. And it allowed us to take stock of and to plan for this most recent project that we undertook. No, great to hear that. And I've learned that at the end of 2021, the Kennedy Center needed to kick off a very special endowment campaign. And you all realize that the endowment fund was about a fourth of the size it should have been, and the pandemic, of course, didn't help matters. So you went about exploring a feasibility study. And then I re- realized then you, after doing that, you decided not to go forward, instead to reach out to AWS. What were some of the findings with the study, as well as some of the roadblocks and complexities that you ran into as you sought to move forward with the study? Absolutely. So a feasibility study is best practice anytime you're going to take on a monumental campaign, right? And for us, you know, as you said, our endowment is really, really small compared to organizations of our size. So we knew that this was going to be a hundreds millions of dollars campaign. And you want to go in that with all the information that you have. And usually a feasibility study has two components, a qualitative portion where you're getting direct feedback from your current and prospective donors about their opinions of the organization, their opinions about undertaking a campaign at this time, feedback around how you would build such a campaign. And we absolutely went through that portion of the study. We got really good feedback from our donor leadership, both locally and nationally, of saying the economic climate is tough and many people are undertaking campaigns, but we understand the reasoning for the Kennedy Center. We believe in the National Cultural Center. America 250 is coming up. We need to be prioritizing how we celebrate joy and creativity in this country. So you should move forward, but you should move forward very strategically and understand exactly how much you're going to be able to achieve in this time frame, recognizing the competition, frankly, in the marketplace, that we're not the only people who are fundraising. We're not the only people who are fundraising with big dollars. We're not the only people who are trying to grow our donor base. Then, though, you get to the second piece of a viable feasibility study, which is the quantitative portion, really trying to assess what is the financial potential of your database or of your patron base to help you work backwards to say what's a reasonable fundraising target. And the piece where we really sought to not go the traditional feasibility study route was was on that quantitative portion and where we chose to call AWS instead. Because what I understood from what I was getting from our potential consultant around 
how this would potentially play out was essentially that we would give them a copy of our database for them to run some algorithms and say, based on everything we're seeing today, we think your revenue potential could be X. This is a completely fair and, and common way to do a feasibility study. And we understood that methodology and their approach. But it was really because I had been around some of our previous partnerships with AWS that I started to question if that was correct. Because what it meant was that we were going to pay a third party to take this copy of our database and do some reviews and analysis and come back and tell us what they thought. But if I'm thinking that we're going to be running a multi-year campaign, I love that data, but I'm going to want it a lot of times, right? If the pandemic taught us anything, we can't just get that annually, right? I'm going to need that probably quarterly of a review of how is our database and our patron base undulating and shifting over time. And how should we then strategically align our fundraising resources to support? So if I hire that out now, I'm going to have to pay for that again. And it's not cheap. And we need to, as a nonprofit, be really, really scrutinizing how we're spending our dollars and being very judicious with our resources. I'll also say that, frankly, AWS just sort of taught us in the shift to Redshift and moving to the cloud that we can do these kinds of hard things <laughs> with their partnership. Right? We can say, like, wait, we can have nice things. <laughs> we can have nice things that are well-defined and maintained and saying, why hire it out when what if we take the bold stuff to build that infrastructure ourselves? And then the last piece that I'll say, you know, our fundraising industry is reckoning with this across the board, so it's not unique to the Kennedy Center. But algorithms that tell you about the potential financial capability of your patron base or of your database are often relying on historical predictors of wealth. Historical predictors of wealth are reliant on publicly available information about someone's wealth or capacity, often related to real estate data, lending data that just in this country has a uh, overt and covert history of racist, systemically racist practices. And we were really, really thinking about this in 2021 when we began this work because we, like many organizations, took on a commitment to anti-racism. And when you think about that in the fundraising office, that can mean a lot of different things. But I found myself reviewing this proposal saying, this is a moment. This is a moment for us that we can choose to do what's been done or what if we thought about this differently and said, sure, there's any number of things that we can pull about someone's wealth, but I, as an arts organization, am sitting on a treasure trove of engagement data. Every day that someone comes through our doors for a free performance or buying a ticket or going on our website, they're telling me something about how they want to interact with us as their nation's cultural center. So what if we took wealth and capacity and put it to the side for a second and said, how do you measure engagement as a way to then decide and, and, and prioritize who you might want to approach to invite to increase that engagement if they so choose? So it sounds like you went to AWS to better understand your financial capacity in a more dynamic way, really, by implementing reusable predictive modeling in your native database. Allison, do you want to add anything else from the AWS side? So, Sarah... I couldn't be more honored to be a part of this journey that you're on. AWS couldn't be more honored to be a part of it. Everything that you said, I, I listening and just welling up with pride, frankly, of everything that, that you're talking about, because our mission is to support your mission. And we believe that every single organization, nonprofits deserve the best technology and deserve to have all of these capabilities in a way that will make sense for you. So in personalizing your 
donor database, your engagement, and being able to get back to organizations, utilizing some of the most state-of-the-art technology like machine learning, but having that be easy and accessible and, and giving you that capability is what we're all about at AWS Nonprofit. We really feel that that's so exciting for you. And I love how you're, you were thinking long-term as well, because that's something else that AWS does a lot. And thinking not just, I need to get this done because we have this campaign coming, but what is this going to mean for us over the long term? How do we continue to automate that? How do we continue to learn from our learnings and, and do these outreach campaigns and be able to come back and see what we learned from that and continue to build on the knowledge that you have of the engagement of, of your constituents, of your stakeholders is just fantastic. And again, things like artificial intelligence and machine learning allow us all to do this in a way that is gets us much more insights than we could by humans just looking at that data, asking different questions and having the data be able to hopefully give you those insights and tell you the answers. And then as you learn more to be able to put that back. So these capabilities of machine learning, our, our role at AWS is to be able to make that accessible for, for everyone. And again, I'm just so thrilled that this is how you've taken some of our, not just technology, but our partnership in learning as well. And that's something that's really important for us as well, is making sure that you and your team have the skills to be able to utilize that appropriately. Well said, Allison. And back to you, Sarah, when it comes to what you've learned from this, I understand that AWS provided you with all that expertise needed to really run the platform once it was implemented. And because of that, as you were mentioning, you were able to really leverage your engagement data to provide a really then the result was a better multifaceted view of your donors. Um, talk about some more of the results at a high level. Could you give us a quick overview of those results? Absolutely. So going through this process, we, as part of the grant we we received from AWS. They also identified a contractor to help us move move the project forward in Slalom. So Slalom came into our database and we and they were in it with us. They had access to all of our systems and really were helping us build this from the ground up. And what they helped us understand is that our, again, as I mentioned, our database right now is about 5 million records. But in trying to have an effective predictive model, you really have to be careful that for all of the scalability we've talked about for this, that you start off asking just one question one question really, really well and getting the correct answers from that before you move forward. So our first question was, who in the database is potentially poised to give a $15,000 or higher gift over the next 36 months? Even just trying to answer that one question, there were over a million records in our database that were potentially viable which for me was so eye-opening, absolutely, as an executive and, and, and working with my development colleagues and my team, I mean, like, no wonder this is so hard. <laughs> you know, as Allison mentioned, if a single person is trying to go step-by-step of figuring out how to make sense of all of those people, it's, it's, it's clear then around how we sometimes think things are correlated when they're actually not. When we make some assumptions about 
how a donor population will behave that they actually won't. But in segmenting the, we at least were able to segment the data down to that 1 million records. And then we worked with Swellum to really identify the key markers that we wanted to prioritize to predict donor behavior or engagement behavior, which was a fascinating exercise to, again, check our assumptions, really try to strip a lot of bias out of the process and prioritize things. For example, one of our colleagues in our business intelligence team identified that we have so much data around how people interact with our email communication, but we don't know how to make sense of it. So Slalom was able to take all of those data points, were hundreds and hundreds of them, and put them into the donor propensity model that we developed to be able to then start to have some correlated information. So coming from that, we identified the objective was to have a score of 1 to 10 around how, who was most likely to fit that initial question. We actually received over 1,800 records that first came back to us of saying about 1,800 households are potentially primed for this ask in this time frame, And 60% of those are not currently managed by a frontline fundraiser in our organization. We've already gone through and done that work. So it's really fascinating because it tells us that there are people who are actively engaged, but that we definitely aren't speaking to. And we're now in the process of distilling down those 1,000 records to determine how can they get assigned to a frontline fundraiser to begin the cultivation process to hopefully secure that gift over the next few years. What's so interesting that sounds like what you've been most excited about has been the ability to look beyond your donor's financial capability in order to focus really then on their behaviors and better understand who may be interested in augmenting their contribution to the center. Is that what you found so far? Absolutely. And, and you know, I was reflecting that in my time in fundraising, I really do have countless examples of times that donors of any different type, individual, corporate, foundation, government, from locally here or nationally, have behaved differently than our industry might say that they would. That they supported things that the, you know, in funders, like, oh, you'll never be able to secure money from them or they wouldn't be a good prospect, but they actually are. This is really a continuation of approaching that with curiosity and saying, why don't we not try to presume what people will want to do and instead approach them with the full offerings that we have as the National Cultural Center and say, what would you like? Do you know everything that we have? Can we surprise you with some of those things? And if that means that your engagement increases monetarily, that's fascinating and amazing. If that means that your engagement increases by coming to more performances or being an ambassador of our organization, that also has value. And, and it's really important value for us as we continue to grow our organization over time. So we are right at the beginning of distilling these results and sharing them with our staff. Um, but I can tell you, we have so much excitement for this project institutionally that I am actually really trying for folks that are like, can I have one? I'm being like, I need to meet with you in three months. Exactly. (laughs) I just need a minute. Because the data will refresh consistently based on our cloud warehouse, you know, this is something that we're actually excited to manage this at scale, but it's a much more meaningful scale than a million records of people that we think might give, right? This is far more strategic, far more intentional, and can be wrapped into the existing prospect development infrastructure that we've been building over time and the partnership we have with our internal business development team, knowing we have AWS as a backstop all the time to call and say, wait, did we break it? Um, Is there something else that we should do? We know that we can call them for that expertise. And that is also invaluable when as a nonprofit, we want to learn these resources and be able to build this capacity within our organization and to learn ourselves. And we have colleagues that are really, really excited to do that. 
That's great. Well, it sounds like, Sarah, in short, you now have a strong predictive model that refreshes monthly. And in fact, I heard that this month you're going to roll out your first round of findings to frontline fundraisers. Maybe talk about that a little bit. That's right. So our prospect development team has been reviewing all of the data that came from the first swath of information that came from the model. So we actually had some conversations with frontline teams in the next month to review their portfolios and the names that we received and start to actually make assignments, which is exciting because I think our staff is probably sick of hearing me talk about this project in theory, and they're excited to actually get the outcome and to start to make new friends and meet new people. It's a really important time for us at the center. It's actually really well-timed for the start of our season in the fall, as well as we always see an uptick in you know people logging on to see our digital programming in the summer, the start of school in the fall. We'll be ready for all of that. But we'll also be able to have some other business-driven discussions around the size of our frontline fundraisers' portfolios. Right? Do, do our frontline teams have have enough capacity to take on this wealth of information that we have uncovered. If they don't, how do we provide additional resources to them to create more space for those important meetings with donors? That's the biggest thing I can provide to our frontline staff is resources and time. And this is intended to help them spend their time in a more effective and impactful manner, not just for the budget, but for themselves, so that they really feel like those were meaningful connections that they spent as a staff member to grow our patron base at the center. No, excellent. Thank you, Sarah. And for sharing a little bit of that behind the scenes, how it's working for the Kennedy Center. And now to Allison, you know, there's been a definite decline in the number of donors given to nonprofits in general. In fact, you have cited, according to a recent report from the Association of Fundraising Professionals and Giving Tuesday, that really confirms this fact that we're on this decline. And then you add the increase in cost, right? And the shifting economic climate and now the great resignation we're still kind of going through. Nonprofits, no doubt, are faced with extremely high pressure now when it comes to fundraising. We've already heard through Sarah, a few of the things that AWS is doing to help nonprofits. What else would you like to add when it comes to what AWS is seeking to do to help alleviate these pressures for nonprofits? Well, first, thank you so much. First, just the cloud itself. So AWS cloud offers so many operational and economic advantages that can help nonprofits thrive in today's climate. So things like pay as you go, you're paying for what you, you utilize and being able to be agile and innovative in how you're using your technology resources. So being just more effective and efficient in general by being in the cloud is probably the first way that we we think about how we offer nonprofits. And then, of course, we have some incredible programs around credits for nonprofits. And so that's a program that we've been running for quite a few years, which allows nonprofits to use cloud computing credits, and that helps offset the cost for their implementations. Uh, we also have the Imagine Grant, which we are so excited that the Kennedy Center was a recipient of. And we just closed our 2023 applications, but we'll be opening up 2024 towards the end of the year. The Imagine Grant allows organizations, 501c3 organizations, to apply for additional credits and grants in two categories, the modernized category and the ability to really innovate category. And so love to see as many as possible applying for those Imagine grants. Any 501c3 registered in the U.S. is, is able to do that. We also offer a whole catalog of solutions. So the AWS Solutions Library for Nonprofits is another area that I'd love to, and maybe we'll give you the links to put in for later, that allow organizations to look at what's been done before 
see reference architectures to understand how nonprofits have utilized all of these technologies and put together the building blocks into these capabilities for fundraising, for constituent and stakeholder engagement, but also just a lot of baseline level capabilities for technology as well. We also have the AWS Marketplace, which also has a series of solutions that nonprofits can take advantage of. And we offer a community online that allows nonprofits to come in and and talk to their peers, to ask questions, to see who's done some of these projects before. And so that community is building and we offer, again, really would love to see everyone go to that. And the community grows when everyone contributes and answers questions as well. And we have experts available, as Sarah said. So we're so, so happy to be your best BFF, best buddy, to be able to answer those questions because that's, again, our philosophy at AWS is that because we're here for the long term, we want to see you continue to grow and evolve in your understanding and the skills and are constantly coming back to say, what can we do for you now? How do we take these technologies and really make them usable for you going forward? And to bounce those ideas, to talk about what's next and what's new, because as you mentioned, we are actually here at the summit in DC, the AWS summit in DC, where we're every day announcing some new things. And I think that's really important that we continue to help all of our nonprofit organizations to understand what they're capable of, what we can offer, and what solutions can really help to drive their mission impact. Excellent. Well, my listeners know that we've had you on the show before, Allison, and and I would check if you, for some reason, did not listen to that episode, I encourage you to check it out, listeners. But you'd mentioned before that AWS is really seeking to simplify donor member engagement data analytics. And by building a single system of records for donor data from multiple sources, and then you can help organizations build dashboards in order to measure trend lines. And I think that's so important for nonprofits to have the ability to measure their trend lines, right? Particularly as things get more complex and, and your organization grows. Maybe you could share a little bit more about this and update what have been some of the results so far. Yeah. So at our Imagine conference in the spring, we talked about so many organizations, but I would say Kennedy Center is just doing amazing things. So first and foremost, the Kennedy Center and Sarah who are with us today, but there are other organizations like Girls Who Code who worked with AWS and Salesforce create a data hub um, so they could understand how to engage not only their donors, but just everyone that's been in, that was involved with the Girl, Girls Who Code initiative. I would also mention Save the Children that presented at our Imagine conference as well in the spring. And, and Alan Gordon's presentation is online. And he had some really great insights, not only about it's about the data, it's about using your data, but also prototyping, which I think is a really interesting concept for nonprofits, we don't always give ourselves the the leeway to to experiment and to innovate and then to iterate on that as as Sarah was saying and and Save the Children really has instituted that as part of how they think about it and how they're using their data, how they're putting data, not just from Salesforce, but many other other data sources into a data lake as well. And then to be able to visualize all of that. So I think that's the other area there that you're Hopefully your team is going to be incredibly excited when they see it because as soon as you can show some of that data and some of the insights, some of the questions that can be answered, everyone wants more. They want the next thing. So you're going to be really busy (laughs) if you're not already, as you've mentioned, everybody wants more already. But I think that's super important. It's that visualization. And then to be able to sometimes take those visualizations 
all the way to back to your donors to show your impact. It's also visualizing for your board as to what's happening and being helping them to understand even better how you're utilizing technology and how your impact is accelerating. So um, I could go on and on, but we'll give you some more links to some other of stories of organizations that are utilizing their data, not just for engagement and donor experience, but for every facet of their programs, really understanding how that data is helping them to understand what's effective, what's efficient, what are the programs that are really making a difference, and those that may be costing a lot that aren't really touching as many constituents as you thought they were or stakeholders. So it's all about the data at the end and helping an organization to really accelerate their impact. Well, once again, Sarah and Allison, thanks for taking a break from the summit to be on the show today. Maybe we can start with Sarah. Tell us a little bit more about how people can find out a little bit more about you and the Kennedy Center. Absolutely. I really encourage everyone to visit our website at kennedy-center.org, not only to learn a little bit about the organization, but I challenge you all to find something surprising. I joke, but it's said with love that the Kennedy Center has the Cheesecake Factory menu of options at the center. (laughs) That's a great analogy. In addition to cheesecake, there's so many other things. And and I say it not only with love, but with pride. We are truly operating all across the country in so many different ways. And we believe so strongly in what it means to be a living memorial and the National Cultural Center. So not only to see what's on our stages next, but to find the things that are happening in your community as well. I love it. So you heard from Sarah Strait, Kennedy Center Cheesecake Factory. That's the same. It's the same. <laughs> anyway, exactly that's a great analogy. <laughs> and then Allison, how about for you? How can people connect with you and learn a little bit more about AWS? Well, of course, there's a website. And the first place to probably start is the AWS for nonprofits, also AWS Imagine Grant, and the AWS Solutions Library. Also look for our public sector blog focused on nonprofits where we have a series of discussions around what's working for nonprofits and how they are accelerating their missions. So, and of course, you can always go to my LinkedIn. Perfect. Okay. Well, again, Sarah and Allison, thank you so much again for sharing your insights and I hope the summit goes well for the rest of the day. Thank you. Hey friends, well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.